You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is a warm Tuesday here in Philadelphia. And that fits because it's the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Chilling in this nice sun, about 60 degrees, something like that. So uh, it's hot, and we're going to keep it hot because Stevie J is on the podcast. Steve Littman, gastroenteritis blues, is on the pod today, and we're talking mid-season. Just talking mid-season, who's been good, who's been bad, what's everybody doing, how's everybody looking. And uh, yeah, we'll just get Steve on the line. Stevie J, what's up, man? How are you, buddy? Thank you for having me again. Always nice having you on. Uh, it's going to be a crazy week weather-wise. So, uh, yeah, hitting the courts. Let's go. <laughs> I know, right? It's going to be very strange, but uh, it's it's nice to have a few nice days. All right, real quick. Because you're gastroenteritis blues, because you hang out with Dan and Emily, I got to say, what's what's your thoughts going forward with The Bachelor these last two episodes? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I will say... After Katie got uh, deep sixed, I was just like, all right, I, I think I might be out. And then Serena P just pulls a boss move. And I was just like, okay, great. I'm back in. Let's go. That was a great <laughs> moment. That was a really great moment. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's a big episode. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. So we haven't, haven't yet seen the fantasy suites. Uh, I Just my gut feeling, Emily, I think, has seen spoilers. So she really can't comment because I think she knows some stuff. Uh, my gut feeling is that Rachel is going to be the winner, and it's going to be a very awkward unveiling. Uh, very given awkward, all that's very on. controversial. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So just, it, just the feeling I get is that he's most into her. Um, but uh, that that would be my my best guess. What do you think? That's a damn shame because I'm really feeling Brie now. I'm just like, damn it, love Brie. Like Matt and Bree are just so cute together. It's ridiculous. I think Bree's very underrated, and I don't think she's gotten the screen time that she deserves this year. Bree is the Tobias Harris of The Bachelor. Like <laughs> she, she may not, she may not be the MVP, but damn it, she'll put up twenty points and she'll give you those clutch buckets when you need them. She's consistent. She's and consistent. she stayed out of all the drama. Like she, she had like no dirt on her hands at all with all the drama in the house. Oh my goodness. Okay. And somehow we're going to transition to Sixers <laughs> mid-season report. So let's just yeah. do that. It's rough, but whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. When when I record with you, I feel like, you know what? It's it's free and easy. It's fine. It's I, not, I feel the same way. It's not like it's Tom and I have to feel like all proper and stuff because he's British. <laughs> so I feel like I have to step up the class of the podcast. So it, Tom it's makes me it's feel fun. classier. It's, exactly. It's, it's, I, I feel like a real bag of dirt when I talk to Tom. He's so distinguished. Shout out Tom West. We'll just say it. Love Tom. Love Thank Tom, God. but just you make us you make us feel so inadequate sometimes, Tom. <laughs> just gonna tell you that right now. Uh let's start with the big man, the MVP candidate. 
Joel Embiid, and we're just going to grade the people that you highlighted in your piece last week. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with Joel. My grade, I mean, come on. It, can it be anything else other than A, F, and plus? Can it be anything other than that? No, no. I mean, I, if, you, if you gave him anything other than that for this half of the season, I think you're just trying too hard and you're looking for issues. You know, if you want to pick out his assist to turnover ratio, go ahead. He's a center, like... I don't, I don't know what you want from the guy. Uh, Seriously. I think that it's very clearly uh, an A-plus year. The fact that he's averaging a career high in points and playing really great defense uh, and giving it really his all on every, on every night, which last year I think that sort of came and went, uh, you just can't, can't say enough about the half that he had. And, and I think that you know anybody who would not notice that and acknowledge him for that just isn't paying attention. And of course, he's getting all kinds of MVP buzz. Is he your MVP right now? I think in your piece, you said that he was, and anything less would be silly. Yeah, so obviously it's hard to, to uh, uh, divorce my personal feelings about how much I love him from <laughs> to make like an objective uh, choice here. But I think that he has the best case, honestly. Like the Sixers are first in the East. He's a great two-way player. He's averaging the second most points in the entire league. Um, playing great defense. I, I, I will hear about Nikola Jokic, who's been excellent this year, and, and he's like sort of a unicorn and does things that we really haven't seen from a player his size. I'll hear it. Ever. Um, I, I won't hear any LeBron James stuff because he's having a very normal LeBron James season, and, and the only reason he picked up any steam is because he told his buddies in the media that he wants this award. Um, you know, Joel's missed six games, which isn't a ton. I don't think that he can miss you know, 15 at the end of the season because of what voters will do. Um, but I think that Embiid's impact on defense puts him ahead of Jokic uh, pretty clearly to me. And what do you I, I love how you reference, oh, I'll get into my MVP pick like later on in this podcast. We're discussing that, trust me. Mm -hmm. But um, when you said about LeBron James, and I love this line in the piece, it's not the Cecil B. DeMille Award for Achievement in Basketball Arts. It's the MVP. I thought that was fantastic because, listen, LeBron has won this thing four times already. And like you said, this is a normal LeBron year. There's really nothing special about LeBron this year in terms of his numbers and his output. Not to say that it's not bad. I'm just saying, you know, it's par for the course LeBron. Like, there's nothing. He's great. He's great. He's great. There's, there's no, this isn't a, a LeBron hater thing. Uh, no. I'm generally a, a positive guy on LeBron, but this isn't the award for the best guy who's also old. Like it's the award yes. for the best season and LeBron's season doesn't come close to the impact that Embiid has had uh, on, on the people around him. Um, and, and I just don't think that anybody else has a real, you know, merit-based case other than, Joel and I think Jokic is right there. I mean, I could make it. I could make a really strong case for Steph if I really wanted to, but I'm just not. That's just that's. It's too just much hard work. for a, for a team that's in ninth place to to have the MVP. It's too much work. Yeah, even if right. the Warriors made the playoffs, it would be really hard for me to if I had an MVP vote. Which you know, God help the NBA if that ever happens. <laughs> um, but if I you had know, an James MVP Harden vote. James Harden's on a great run. Uh, you know, his numbers are certainly there. I, my, I just think at the end of the season, when he's playing with KD and Kyrie, it, it won't really be 
I feel like they what you give up when you team up with two guys that good is the ability to win most valuable player. Yeah, it's like the Oscar movie that's like, you know, it has three different guys up for supporting actor. Like they're going to take votes right. away from each other. Yeah, it's true. Right. Let's move on to our man Ben Simmons in the backcourt. Defensive player of the year, 100%, no debate. I there shouldn't be mm-hmm. one. I, I I like Rudy Gobert, but listen, Ben guards one through five. So, yeah, he's DPOY. I'm sorry. You know, it's hard for a perimeter guy to win the defensive player of the year because the impact that you can have if you're an elite rim protector is so huge that it's pretty hard to replicate that in the advanced metrics as a perimeter guy. What Simmons has going for him is that he is such a unique player and he very willingly guards all the best guys all the time that I think that he's probably gaining uh, sort of a, a traction around the league in terms of the things he does every single night on that end. Uh, and then the other night, you know, Gobert getting absolutely killed by Embiid, I think yeah. probably hurts his case uh, at the same time that it, that it helps Simmons because you just look at the amount of guys and, and the variance and the different guys that Simmons will guard He'll guard big power forwards. He'll guard, you know, DeMontis Sabonis. He'll guard Damian Lillard. It's really, you know, pretty unprecedented. A lot of the best defenders in the league on the perimeter will take an easier matchup in the regular season just to save it for the fourth quarter or for the playoffs or whatever. But Ben very is, is very eager to, to go after those guys, and I think it's super cool. Tell me if this parallel might be a little bit off, but it does sound like Ben's defensive campaign this year, it reminds me a lot of Draymond's award in 2017, where Mm. Draymond was really versatile Mm -hmm. guarding multiple positions, and that's what kind of gave him a leg up. Yeah, he primarily runs in the front court, but he was also guarding, you know, twos and threes and sometimes ones on switches. I think that's a good comparison. The difference is that Draymond played a ton of five. Uh, he, and he, you know, he became a very tenable, you know, center option, but Draymond, what he wasn't doing is guarding guys like Dame, or I'm sure when they play Golden State, Ben will spend time on Steph or on Steph. Um, so, you know, it's sort of a give and take, but I think that the only, the only difference, and it's a very good, good comparison. The only difference would be, uh, you know, Draymond playing a bunch of five and the Sixers sort of experiment here and there with Simmons at five, but really, you know, the thing about Simmons is that he's so versatile. So when you stick him under the basket, you sort of sacrifice some of that versatility. Right. With Ben's offense, he's slashing and cutting and setting screens a lot more this season. So his offensive skill set, what he does off the ball has gotten a lot better. And with his defensive metrics, I'm giving him an A minus. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because his first few weeks were not good. And there were people were sort of whispering about why that might be. And obviously, he was in tons of trade trade rumors for James Harden. And uh, he was coming off, you know, injuries from the past year. And, but it seems like ever since that two game series against the Celtics, he's looked like a totally different player. And he just, he's going at the rim. Uh, all the time he's screening and he's rolling and you know people talk about Kyle Lowry or over the years they talked about getting somebody like uh, uh, Chris Paul and my question was always like what becomes of Ben Simmons if you do that right. because he's 
at a certain point was pretty useless off the ball because obviously he's not going to shoot. And if he's not going to really stick his nose in there in the paint, uh, <laughs> it's hard to know if you're going to be able to use him. But now I have no doubt about that. Now I have no fear that he could split ball handling duties with a guy like that and also make it work on the offensive end. So he's, he, he looks like a different player for the last couple of months. This has been the, uh, my personal, I apologize for everything that I said to bias last year, kind of a run. <laughs> and he has been having a very quiet bounce back season. A lot of that is due to the fact that he is not playing out of position anymore. Tobias is 100% better suited at power forward with this lineup. And the exorcism of Al Horford was successful. And that, that period of time is behind us now. He's putting up 20 points a game, reunited with Doc Rivers, who made Tobias, I guess, what he is today, for lack of a better term. And all of that considered, I'm, I'm giving Toby an A. Yeah, I, very I mean, strong first half for Toby. That extremely strong first half from him, and uh, you know, Tobias is just never going to be a guy who shoots eight threes a game. It's not how he wants to play. It's not how he's accustomed to playing. You know, I think in years past, that's what we're sort of dying for because he's such a good player and he's a really good shooter. And you would think just have him shoot all these threes, but it's just not. You know, guys have to be comfortable and they have to thrive in the way that they can. And what Tobias has been in the first half of the year is like a really solid late game option for the Sixers to get points when things get gummy and when it's hard to run in transition and all that kind of stuff. You know, just take the, the Sixers last game that they played against Utah. You know, Tobias did not have a great game. Perfect and then example. Over time, they start going after Joel with double teams pretty much right away. And they go to Tobias and he had a smaller guy on him and he got to his spots and like, just getting bucket after bucket. So that is really, I think, a great luxury for them to have and to like, you know, for him to be able to go to work in those situations and get to his spots and get his own shot is a really big deal. And I think that uh, he deserves a lot of praise for the way that he's came in a better version of himself. Right. It's all, it's always nice if, you know, Joel is getting those spot ups in the paint and it's easy and all like that, but that's not going to come all the time. So the fact that Tobias is taking advantage of some of these smaller matchups that he's getting sometimes, especially off the double team health, that's wildly beneficial. No. And the other thing is that like the way the game is played today, it's hard to run your crunch time offense through a post player, like right through post-ups. Um, that's just really hard. And of course, everybody would want Joel taking the last shot, but it's just difficult to do. And, you know, Joel, made the game time three the other night to get him into overtime. He is, he's an alien, you know, Joel can do everything. <laughs> um, but the fact that they have this other option where, you know, Ben Simmons for as much as he's improved, that's still not his strong suit. Uh, Tobias has just like totally changed the perception of him. And I, I hope he keeps it up and I hope that he does it in playoffs because it's a really important role on this team that they, it seems like they hadn't had for a while. <laughs> The rest of the backcourt, Danny Green, Seth Curry, um, they're, they're kind of in the same grouping with me. They're, they're okay. They're, they're C's. Um, mm -hmm. Danny's just been really streaky. Like he's definitely he's still good at shooting. He's shooting 37%, which is a plus. But like you said in your piece, he has those like one or two minutes where it's like, Danny, did you just forget how to play basketball just now? Like, it's so strange. It's, it's so, really strange. So 
Because he's he's overall a very smart guy. He's like in all the right places. He really he's been around forever. Um, yeah, those guys. I, I I personally I feel like if the Sixers are going to make a a big move at the deadline, it would be a move that I'm sure one of them has to be included for salary purposes. But then you know one of them is not in the starting lineup. You know I think that the two of them yeah. can be a little bit overextended in starter minutes. You know at, at like 35 minutes in a game. Um, you know, Seth Curry does the one thing, you know, and he's great at it. And I think he's been very helpful. Um, but I think that when his shot's not falling, he doesn't provide a ton for you other than attention from the other team, which isn't nothing. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, those guys really partially was addition by subtraction because Richardson and Horford were just really poor fits with what the Sixers need. Yeah. And uh, these guys have really helped. And I think that Danny's not a great one-on-one defender anymore, but as a team defender, he does a good job. And uh, I think that they are a big part of, you know, letting Joel take the leap that he has. And same goes for Tobias and Beth. And then Seth had the COVID scare. Yes, uh, right. And that, that kind of sidetracked him a little bit. Perhaps he's probably still not a hundred percent getting back to, you know, energy and breathing and all like that. So that might have something to do with it. Yeah, it's in, you know, these guys are having very different experiences, you know, when they, you know, Seth straight up got COVID and, and has yeah. had some great games since he's been back. And he's had some other games where he just sort of doesn't have it. So I think that Doc is, uh, is mindful of that. And I think that uh, luckily, I'm sure the next guy we'll talk about is Shake. I'm glad that the Sixers have a guy like Shake who can slot into those minutes on night. Oh, yeah. Seth isn't, isn't quite there. Uh, Shake is definitely a I, I think honestly would you object to Shake and Seth kind of switching places in the lineup you know the thing about that is that you sort of need an engine off the bench with the way yeah. the team is run right now and Seth isn't really going to handle the ball all that much off the bench so I could see Shake as a starter but I think they would need another ball handler to take over that duty shake plays great with uh with the starting lineup you know with all the guys minus danny you know yeah uh, shake shake goes in there and plays i i think his his defense this year has been really impressive and uh so i think that there's definitely a world where shake starts for the sixers i just don't think it's the current roster because uh maxi's out of the rotation and they don't really have another guy to run uh the offense uh off the bench so i think that right now they're they keep shake where he's at until uh, some, some changes to the roster happen. And his defense has definitely improved. He's definitely getting his nose in there a lot more, which is always good with the second unit uh, perimeter guy coming off the bench. Uh, I wish he would be a little bit more consistent, but it's fine because like that, that's what he is right now. Like it's hard, it's hard to be, it's hard to be consistent when, you know, your, your, your time and your minutes are just kind of like, you don't a hundred percent know, how much time you're going to get to get in a groove you know what i mean right and and shake just missed a little time with a sprained ankle and he's sort of working his way back i think that if he can just stay healthy he can really get into a rhythm and and i think he brings an element of a guard who can get his own shot and you know hit shots off the catch and pass the ball a little bit i think that his three-point percentage will go up he's only at 31 percent right now i think that'll go up um and I just think he's very valuable. I think that Doc and Daryl see a lot of value in him and they've, they've sort of singled him out over the past few months. And, and I think that they'll be rewarded for that. 
Let's talk about Shake's uh, lob mate in Dwight Howard. And just like you, I am loving the Dwight Howard experience right Love now it. in Philadelphia. Love I'm, it. I'm enjoying it so much. He's <laughs> he's doing his job. He's out there to get boards and just pl- um, he's there to just get boards and plunge the lane. And he's doing that very effectively. He's averaging two and a half offensive rebounds a game, which is really big, especially when the second unit doesn't always get buckets right away. People complain about Dwight, and I understand. And, you know, the contrast when Joel sits down is that the next person probably isn't the best player in basketball anymore. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty jarring. But, you know, people describe the backup center they'd like to have. It's like they'd like him to be able to shoot threes and switch on the perimeter and block shots. It's like that's a $15 million player. Like, yeah, that is a starter on the the minimum. Right. I I am totally fine if the Sixers want to get a stretch option to just sort of mix it up on nights when Dwight doesn't have it or or he's fouled out within his first few minutes because he loves to foul. But, But for what he is, I think that Dwight protects the rim great. I think he's third in the league. Uh, and oppo- opponent's uh, percentage at the rim. And, uh, you know, of course he makes mistakes and some of it isn't perfect, but I think overall he's been a really solid addition to the team. And I think that he gains a lot of extra, extra possessions uh, through his rebounding. As much as we love Norville Pell last season, you know, Dwight is just, he's just better. Like, I'm sorry. I love you, Norville. I, I hope you do well, but for a contending team, needed yeah. somebody like Dwight yeah no Dwight Dwight is worlds better than him and and you know in the playoffs we might play a team who just completely stretches him out and it makes it impossible for Dwight to be out there that's why I'd like them to be prepared with a different option and maybe that's Simmons at center uh when Embiid sits but you know it's tough because they want to keep those guys together I think that you know they can pick up somebody else it's just not something that I'm panicking about you know I sort of think that that Dwight is doing his job and, and he's overall a plus uh, when the Sixers have him out there. Yeah, he, he's fine. He's another one of those guys that's just fine. He's out there doing his job and he's still Dwight Howard. You still have to respect him if you go to the hole. So C plus for me, that's fine. He's doing, he's doing what we brought him in here to do. Yes. And nobody hates him. You know, I think there's no one hates of, him. Uh, Throughout his career, Dwight hasn't been exactly a beloved teammate, but here I think that he's sort of hit the stride of what he is in the league and accepted, you know, who he is and, and what he can be for teams. And everybody seems to really enjoy him. So, yeah, I'm happy he's here. You know how much I love to pop the cork, Maz. I say it on Twitter all the time. <laughs> Another one of those guys that's just kind of like average. Maybe he's a little bit below average because hopefully his shooting numbers go up. So I have Furk at about like a D plus C minus right now. Yeah, I think C C minus is fine. He basically is who he is. You know, he's down six uh, percentage points from from last year from three. Uh, I think that, you know, he has some games where he goes off. I forget who the Sixers were playing recently where he had 16 as a starter in the first quarter. And he, he does have that ability. He can really heat up and he can do sort of like, a, a, you know, 10% or 20% of the JJ Redick uh, two-man game with, with Embiid. I would yeah. sort of be surprised if he's in the playoff rotation, you know, whether that's just because they trim it down to uh, few enough players that he's not in that list or, or they just find a different guy 
off the bench or in a different lineup that does that. But, you know, he's fine. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about him. I think that he, he pretty much is what he is. And, uh, but, but nothing, nothing really to write home about. And this is the same thing about Matisse, right? Defensively, he's about an A minus. Defensively, right. Matisse is really good. Offensively, very inconsistent. So that, that kind of hurts the average a little bit. So he's another one of those C minus kind of players right now. Yeah, I mean, Matisse is sort of an enigma because I don't know, you know, if the playoffs started tomorrow, there's no way you can keep him out of the rotation. And he's an absolute zero at best on offense. Like he doesn't yeah. do anything. He can't make a shot. But his defense is so like unique and singular that in playoffs they don't, season. you know, and sometimes he won't have it. And sometimes he'll get in foul trouble or get baited into, you know, sort of gambling too much. But I think especially lately, he's been very calm on defense. And I think that having him, you know, if you if you project out a Brooklyn Nets series against the Sixers, you can't keep Matisse off the floor for too long. Right. Uh, because you need to throw good defenders at those three guys. Uh, but it will be tough if he really continues to drop because, you know, having Simmons and Matisse on the court with Joel, while it's really great defensively, you, you risk something in that you have two non-shooters around Embiid's post-ups. Uh, at the risk of not upsetting the hive, I'll just give Mike Scott an A-plus and move on. <laughs> um, Tyrese Maxey, uh, probably just an incomplete. I, we just need to see more of him. Like, I, he looked good yeah. in the beginning, but it's just like it's hard to gauge w- how good he is since he's out of the lineup now. So based on the first, I don't know, 10, 15 games or so, sure, I would have gave him like a C. But right now, I, I can't fully grade him. Yeah, I agree. I think incomplete is is the answer there. I mean, uh, he's really shown some great flashes, and I, I'm very confident that he's going to be a good player in the league for a while. Um, he's just not on the right team to, to like, flourish this year because they can't have him out there and play through all these growing pains. If he was on Sacramento, he'd probably be very good by now because he'd oh, be yeah. playing 30 minutes a game. But he's on a team that's really trying to win a championship right away. So the fact that he's just not there yet developmentally, you know, he, he only played his uh, freshman year uh, at Kentucky. So uh, he's a young guy. I have, uh, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to continue to get better. I just, I just think that Doc Rivers, rightly, it isn't really able to uh, go through the ups and downs with him in the rotation because he's got to focus on winning games. It's hard to have a rookie on a contending team. It's really, it's really hard. And right. you're, I, hmm, maybe you're kind of seeing it with James Wiseman a little bit too. Although like how much are, how much is Golden State really trying to contend? But I, maybe it's different. Maybe it's a, maybe, if, maybe it's a false parallel. Well, you know, and the other thing is that, you know, Maxie's a, a ball handler, you know, he's not a catch and shoot guy, especially at this point. Rookies can excel in minor roles like, you know, Matisse last year, just going out there and guarding people. But for Maxi to really thrive, you know, he needs the ball in his hands and he needs to sort of create havoc. And uh, they, they just can't turn over the, the keys to him right now. And uh, right. But it doesn't change anything about what I think of him long term. You know, I think he's going to be very good. So, so long term, uh, Daryl, uh, hold the line. Don't don't trade Maxi just yet. It's tough to, you know, who, who knows what will happen, but 
I think that, <laughs> you know, around, around the league, teams definitely like him. So, uh, it, you know, if Daryl sees player X can come here for Maxi, and, you know, that would improve your championship odds a bunch, I would bet that he probably has to do it because, you know, that's the whole, the whole point is to win the championship, especially during a, a season like Embiid's having. But I'm sure they'll try to do everything else they can to keep him out of that discussion. I'm just saying trade deadline next year. If, you know, Golden State isn't quite there, you you know, er, everybody knows on Liberty Ball is that I've been trying to get Clay Thompson here for years. So, you know, uh, that's not going to go away for me. (laughs) I hope he still looks like himself when he's back. It's such a a bummer to have both of those injuries back to back. All right. You ready to have a little fun here with some awards? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is for the entire NBA. This is not Sixer specific. So if your choice is a sixer, great. But if it's not, just remember, this is all NBA awards. I'm giving right. you votes for NBA awards. Here's the, here's the pen and paper. Write them in. Uh, MVP. Joel, what about you? I want to preface this by saying that Joel Embiid is 100% an MVP candidate. He's played enough games. He hasn't missed that many games. So he definitely qualifies. He is putting up ridiculous numbers. That being said, if the Sixers remain as the one seed for the entirety of the season and Embiid is still putting up those numbers, Embiid is the MVP. But if the Nuggets come out of the West as the first or second seed, my vote is Jokic. I think it's fair. I mean, they're the better conference. Uh, You know, Jokic is averaging 27 11 and 9 this year i mean he's unbelievable um you know uh, i really don't have any problem with especially where we're at now 36 games into the year you know if you have those guys flip-flopped i don't i don't think uh there's any shame in that can can i share this with you real quick why Jokic would 100 be my pick even though everybody knows that i i i cannot objectively pick between Jokic and Embiid because I love them both but Mm. Nikola Jokic win shares win shares per 48 and value over replacement player Jokic is double the next guy on each of those stats if the Nuggets come out of the West as the one or two seed I think you have to give it to Jokic I, I think that there's certainly a case to be made there, uh, you know, and then the, the other question is where do the Sixers end up in the standings and, right. you know, how many games does Joel play? All of that sort of factors into it, but, you know, also Jokic doesn't have a teammate who's like too good. You know, he doesn't have Anthony Davis next to him who That's would true. sort of be like, you know, what's, you know, how could we, how could we give it to him? So I think he's got a great case and and I'm sure that he'll, uh, you know, he, he's also like an Iron Man. I think he plays all the time. So, uh, so yeah, I think that it, that's really the race right now. Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Ben Simmons. No debate. There's just no point. Let's just not. Let's just not even spend too much breath on this. It's Ben Simmons. Anything other than Ben Simmons, and you guys are crazy. Yeah, I, I, I think that you know we'll see. There's still a full half to go. But coming off of that game against the Jazz when uh, Gobert got killed and Simmons held Mitchell to like 12 of 34, yeah. uh, I think that uh, I think that Ben's a guy. And I think that, you know, there are seasons where it happens. You talked about Draymond or Kawhi has won one in the past. So, I, you know, there's definitely a precedent for it. 
Um, so I, I would hope to see Ben keep getting attention for that. Most improved. Uh, my vote goes to Michael Porter Jr. As much as I, as much as I hate what he says f- from you know, a flat <laughs> earther perspective, I mean, he's averaging 28 minutes a game, 15 points a game, 627 true shooting percentage. I, I like how Michael Porter Jr. has developed from year one to year two. So um, unless, I, unless you have a better idea, Porter Jr. is me. So I, yeah, so I'm going to go another way with it. I'm going with former Sixer Jeremy Grant. Um, I like that. That's a good one. You know, too. they're they're a bad team, uh, but Grant scored 12 points a game last year, and he's up to 23 a game this year. Uh, he got a big contract in uh, in Detroit, and he, you know, I think wanted to take on a bigger role, and he's doing great in that. You know, his, his shooting numbers are decent. He's shooting 43% from the field, 36 from three. Uh, he makes nearly 90% of his free throws. Uh, so yeah, I think he's a great story. And, uh, you know, there, there's certainly the possibility of some good stats, stats, bad team, but uh, I think that he, his, his jump is really, you know, something and uh, very impressive. The Celtics are on the precipice of trading for Jeremy Grant, but then again, you could say that about any star player <laughs> on the trade deadline over the last five years, they're always almost ready to pull that trigger and they don't, which is, you know, why they're half in the mess that they're in right now. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, rookie of the year. I think LaMelo, I, whenever I watch them, uh, he's just really impressive to me. And uh, he plays very under control. And I'm not a college basketball guy, and I'm certainly not a Lithuanian, Lithuanian basketball guy. So I didn't know <laughs> a not, ton about him. You're not scouring the YouTubes for Lithuanian no. basketball footage. That's not really my bag. But, uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, Lamelo has been great. And uh, I think that he's pretty much it, it to me. It, you know, it seems like him or Halliburton uh, might be the case. Who do you have? Yeah, I, I have Lamelo too, but Tyrese Halliburton is right there. I'm talking really percentage good. points. It is that close. And I just honestly, don't you kind of want to see Halliburton take it? Just to see LeVar Ball's head explode one more time on national television. That that would be a fun part of it that I think uh, <laughs> I think would be would be really fun. Let's close it out with a gastroenteritis blue specific award. Who is the handsome at the half for the first half of the 2020-2021 NBA season? Uh, thank you for bringing this up. I'm so happy to be the, uh, the shepherd of this award. Uh, and I would like to say congratulations, Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. Very good looking. Very good looking. Jump shot hasn't been great this year. Uh, luckily for him, that doesn't matter in this category. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, don't that, care about, uh, we don't care about the aesthetics of the jump shot here. We care about the aesthetics of the person himself. Like, that's it. Yeah, and I think part of it is that the Warriors, I think, are on national TV like every other game. So I've seen a bunch of them. But uh, he looks great. And uh, I, congratulations to Kelly. Congratulations, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, I'm not sure what the trophy is. Maybe a good-looking tie or something. I don't know what it is, but a, mm. a nice bow tie. Or, or maybe something in a nice Windsor. We'll find we'll find mm. that out. Uh, Steve mm. will let you know. Uh, just get get us your address and we'll ship it out to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stevie J, always fun talking to you on the pod. Uh, 
plug your stuff, your Twitter, your your podcast, all that fun stuff that you do that uh, the people love so much. That's uh, at Steve J. Littman on uh, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. And the, the show that we do is the Gastroenteritis Blues, and that comes out every Monday. And, uh, you know, the following day you have out of sight. So it's a great week we have planned for you there. My best to the rest of the crew, Dan and Emily. Uh, tell, yes, em- tell Emily to get off the damned Bachelor Reddit forms. Like, <laughs> there's, no need, there's no need to be diving that deep, Emily. Yeah. Like, come on now. Like, that's that's highly unnecessary and that that's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down trust me it's been a long quarantine yeah i was listen i was on that for 10 minutes and i was just like okay no can't do that too much way too (laughs) much scary place it's a scary place yeah stevie j always nice having you talk to you soon buddy thanks buddy great to see you great to talk to you rather and uh stay safe and uh we'll talk to you soon same as well to you sir see you buddy (laughs) Thank you.